Hi everyone, welcome to episode 14 of Being a Whole Person. If you think I sound a little bit different, it's because I'm in the midst of a cross-country move. I've arrived in Oakland, California, but my things haven't, so my podcasting microphone's still in a moving truck, and I'm just using my Apple headphones here. In this episode, we had a wonderful conversation with my dear friend, Sarah Garnier. She is a massage therapist focused on craniosacral therapy, and if you ever get treatment from her, it's very magical. Her business is called Presence Bodywork, and I think that once you listen to her, you'll see why that's totally the perfect name. After dealing with Lyme disease a few years ago, Sarah went through a transformation which left her much more rooted in her intuition, embodiment practices, and the most intensive self-care of anyone I know. We talk about how she moved from a more general massage therapy background to specializing in craniosacral therapy, how we often work too hard in an effort to prove our worth, and how she determines her personal energy capacity, which is all super inspiring to me. One quick note about sound. Sarah's audio is often on the quiet side, despite my attempts to balance it out. You might have to listen closely at moments, but what she has to say is so worth hearing. Also, this is the last episode of season one, and we don't yet have a start date for season two, but it will be coming. We're going to start planning it soon and keep you posted. Enjoy the conversation with Sarah. You're listening to the Being a Whole Person podcast. I'm Rebecca Haas, a pianist, composer, and creative wellness coach. And I'm Lexi Rollet, the astrologer behind Alexandria Astrology. And this is a podcast all about creative entrepreneurship, self-care, and spirituality, and how they blend in our lives. Lexi and I are having honest conversations with a variety of other creative entrepreneurs to show the whole story of what it's like to be a business owner, not just the Instagrammable version. By digging into the real experiences of being a creative entrepreneur, we explore how it is possible to blend our career with our life and feel like a whole person. Welcome to the Being a Whole Person podcast. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Rebecca. Hello, Lexi. Hello. We are really happy to have you here. So can you tell us a little bit about what you do and how you got to what you're doing now? Mm. Well, I am a craniosacral therapist and it is a type of manual therapy that engages all the spine and the sacrum with the idea of balancing out the autonomic system. Kind of a lot of big words for people who are maybe not familiar with the body. Um, But basically, I can put my hands on your body, your head, your spine, or your pelvis and help calm down that fight, flight, or We're all so I made it to this point. Well, hell, let's just back all the way up. Um, I'm a massage therapist by trade. I graduated school in 2003, and I originally went to school thinking that I would use it as a way to pay my way through music school, but I liked being hands-on so much that I just knew the way that was what I was meant to be doing. I have practiced, I mean, I've been practicing since then. My specialties really lay in the more traditional manual therapies for a long time. Um, So more what people think of when they think therapeutic massage. The deeper tissue, more specific, really getting the body engaged to break down some chronic adhesions, stuff like that. I was led very directly to craniosacral work maybe three years ago or so. I've received the work a number of times in my life. and it has been profoundly helpful each time, but it never occurred to me to start practicing it until I got very sick with Lyme disease, and it was the only thing that was helping calm my system back down. So once I started attending the courses, it was just like this gigantic light bulb of the universe went off in my head, and I was like, oh, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So. Here I am. I remember how excited you were when you first started talking about that. Yeah. It was obvious that a light bulb was going off. It was a pretty goddamn big light bulb, too. (laughs) Um, I've been having some 
<laughs> I've been having some really weird experiences in my nervous system as things started to like heal. I mean, really deeply heal. Um, and I would, I mean, really, I would have these moments where I would like wake up in the middle of the night. And I honestly felt like the universe was shouting at me, but I didn't know what it was saying. And I would go out onto my garage roof, you can like walk out onto my garage roof. I would stare at the moon and I'd be like, okay, I can hear you. Like, what? What do you want? Um, so it was a relief for me when I figured out what it was. Yeah, that sounds pretty intense, especially from what <laughs> you described about it. Um, yeah. So you can answer this in any way, because I know you've had a business that has taken different forms over the years, but after you started your business, did anything happen that you felt like you weren't prepared for? You know, honestly, as far as like, the technical workings of it, no, not yet knock on wood. I find it hard sometimes to manage the emotional balance of my inner critic when it starts to get real aggressive and tell me all the things that it thinks I should be doing or, you know, just the things that I'm projecting onto other people that they think I should be doing. I would say that's, that's been probably the, the biggest struggle. It's like the shoulds and the shouldn'ts and should I be doing more? Should I be doing less? Should I have more of an online presence? Should I be doing marketing events? It really turns into this really big, beautiful landslide, the S word. But everything, is, everything has been working out very well so far. The most difficult moment I think I've had in the last several weeks was I turned away my first new client just because I didn't have the time to get her in until a month out and she needed care before then and I hadn't realized I think until that moment that I had a little bit of this famine mindset still like I just needed to grab hold of any possible source of income because I I mean I truly don't know you know if my schedule is going to stay full I just don't know that right um, so that was a big exercise in trust for me just be like you know you need care right away. I can't see you for a month if you'd like to wait. Here are my availabilities. But until then, like, here is this wonderful colleague of mine. I'm going to give you her information and please feel free to contact So I would say that's, that's been the biggest challenge for me. How did you feel after you set her free to the other person? Um, you know, there was, it was a good 50-50 split between you wanting to, like, throw up and dance for joy. <laughs> you know, Sounds I'm, right. Yeah, right. I'm only one person, and you know, diving in as deeply as I do with my clientele, and really allowing them space to kind of unfold what they're transforming in their lives outside of the hands-on portion. I mean, that requires a lot of presence energy for me. Um, so I, I know that I have a limit with how many, I, how many people I can receive. So yeah, it was simultaneously awesome and terrifying. <laughs> so many things are. Why is that? Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> human. Ugh. Yeah, right. so human. <laughs> Humans. <laughs> so going off of that, is there something or multiple things that you wish you would have known before you started working for yourself? And I know you've had different evolutions of how your job has been as an employee and then not as an employee, right? Yeah. As far as actual knowledge, I mean, I don't think there was anything in like a, what I consider like a standard skill set that I would have found helpful. But the emotional piece was really, it's been the biggest hurdle for me, right? Like when I, you know, quit my job as an employee to start off on my own, I had no savings. I just received a message that it was time to go. And I'm like, all right, it's like time to jump off the cliff. Who knows what's going to happen? Um, so I think it would, it would have been really great for me to have some sort of, of course, saying this out loud now, I'm like, well, duh. <laughs> some sort of warning of how emotional it would be to like be your own boss, run your own shit. And, you know, maybe... I could have 
been a little bit more proactive in finding a mentor in that capacity, but it honestly didn't occur to me. And maybe that's just because of my emotional upbringing and how I've historically dealt with things in the past, but nobody really prepares you for that. Hey, it's going to be great to be your own boss. It's also going to be terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think some of that is because we can't prepare for things until we really know what they're like. I also think that we really get Mm -hmm. so little emotional training, I I guess I should say, in our lives. Like, we, we learn from our parents. We kind of pick up what they do. We might seek out some like self-help books or something, but like we don't get an education in that. It's not part of our standardized schooling. No, it's not. And it, it blows my mind too, to think about it from like a, you know, from a neurological standpoint. I mean, how we relate to people is really set by the time we're three years old and how we move through space and interact with our environment is really set by the time we're you know, so, I mean, I can only speak for myself, but looking back at my childhood and, you know, my parents did a great job with what they were given, but I certainly was not given those tools. They were not available to me. Even just the simplest task of identifying how you're feeling and then articulating it, mm-mm, not on the table. So. Yeah. Midwest, <laughs> Minnesota, yeah. et cetera. We're all Midwesterners here. Mm -hmm. I think we all understand. Yeah. We're stoic people. Oh my gosh, yes. Can we go back and talk about your transition from being an employee to being, um, you know, self-employed? Because, I mean, you kind of hit on some really big stuff there. Like, you just felt like the right time, like you got a message or something that it was like, know I have to get out of this or walk us through that. So I have been, I mean, I've been working at this wellness clinic for four years. Um, And I've, I mean, my hands-on skills, my technical skills are really good. I'm decent with people. Never really had trouble building and maintaining a regular clientele. So I really didn't need, like I wasn't needing anything while I was working space. I had a really solid income. I had amazing co-workers. I was really blessed to work with some incredible practitioners and be in contact with people who, you know, really were trying to build solid relationships with their bodies. So there really was no reason for me to step beyond that. Um, but I just started feeling like there was so much more that I could be doing. And I know that my own healing journey certainly impacted that, you know, getting this profound sense that we are missing something in the Western medical system. I mean, that's always been there. I mean, an alternative and complementary medical professional. So, I mean, I'm very well aware that that historically here, we do not treat the body and the person as the same thing. It's very separate. Kind of felt like I was slapping band-aids on people, you know. They're coming in, they have the same issues. It stopped being as rewarding. I mean, the relationships that I built to maintain with people were still incredible and very nourishing, but it was hard for me knowing that there was more that I could be doing for them and that there was more that they could be doing for themselves to move throughout their life to ease their suffering. So once I discovered that craniosacral was definitely the next step in my my journey as a practitioner. I stayed around for a while at the clinic and I talked to them a little bit about maybe, you know, allowing some more time and space in between each client so that I could work a little bit more on the therapy dialogue aspect of things and, you know, really give people the safety that's required for the nervous system to unfold and release but it just wasn't within their capability as a practice, which I completely respect. So I knew that going off on my own was going to be happening. I just didn't know when, I didn't know how it would look like. I really, you know, I felt it coming, but there was no sense of development there yet. 
and you know, one Thursday morning, I remember it so clearly, I was in the middle of my first client, a lovely gentleman that I'd worked with for several years and just wasn't feeling right in my body. Something felt off. And I just started a little path of inquiry, like I often do, you know, get really embodied and just be like, okay, like, what's up? What's in here? Is there something I can do for you? Is there something I can provide? Is there something you need? And it's like, oh, okay, it's time to quit your job. Finished up that session and I just was like, what the hell just happened? I need to quit my job. I worked the rest of my day and it, the feeling, I mean, it had landed. There was no way I could you know, unsee that and uh, left my, you know, I left my shift. I went to go get a haircut with my fabulous hairstylist. Super fabulous today, but Rebecca is very familiar with Brie. Hi, Brie. <laughs> um, she would listen. And she, yeah, and she was so amazing. She was like, Sarah, the universe wants this from you. This is a big, bold, beautiful move and you're going to be just fine. And I was so grateful to hear those words in that moment. <laughs> she was the first person I talked to. I hadn't talked to my husband, any friends, nothing. I just left work and I was just feeling really groundless, you know, like, oh, okay, I'm supposed to chuck myself off the edge of a cliff. I have no, I mean, no thinking, no plan, nothing. I didn't even have a business name picked out. I mean, none of my accounts were really set up. I, you know, had done some independent contractor work and freelance work before, but nothing on a serious level. So it was a really, really big shift that literally happened over a weekend. I went in on the Monday and I gave my mom's notice and that was that. Wow. I didn't realize it happened so fast. Yeah, it was wild. But I guess when you have a lightning bolt, there's nothing else. You can't unstrike that lightning bolt. Like, and that was... um, yeah, that was how it felt too. You know, it was just this really intense, deep knowing. Everything is different. I'm not meant to be doing this. And I knew in the moment that I could ignore that and continue on the path that I was doing. And I could still do good work, you know, and I could move forward and at a time that, that was more comfortable for me. But shit, I've been ignoring messages from the universe and my body for decades. <laughs> and I had kind of made this, I'd made this commitment to myself several, like a year or two previous to that, like that I was going to, I was going to work on that. I mean, that had become really unworkable in my life. And I wanted it to be workable. And part of making that workable is being soft and tender and accepting. Had to happen. Yeah. Well, and so listeners don't know this, but we've known each other about 13 years at this point. And I've definitely seen your, isn't that crazy? Your intuition, like your, your honoring of your intuition really change in the last few years. And that's so cool that you're able to listen to and heed those messages. Like just being able to just even trying to, I think is a huge accomplishment. Just like saying, I'm committing to trying to do that it's hard it is really hard you know and, and culturally we're not we're not set up for that you know we're 100 percent full steam ahead don't ever ask your body what it wants tell it what you need from it mindset you know it's really it's destructive yeah that theme comes up a lot you know the the hustle and all those buzzwords and we were actually thinking of when we were thinking of titles for the podcast that we were going to be like, oh, against the hustle or something like that, because we don't want that idea to be so pervasive in our society. We didn't end up using that word, but mm-hmm. but that keeps coming up again and again is that like, yes, we have bodies and yes, we have to listen to them or they're going to tell us and probably not in a way that yeah. works in our lives. <laughs> No, absolutely, unquestionably, yeah. It's pretty direct when it wants to be. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've heard a lot more, right? I feel like I've heard a lot more stories these days about um, young, fairly young people, like 30s, getting shingles because they're just overworking themselves and so their immune system is just overloaded. Mm-hmm. Here, we, we, here we are with shingles yeah. 
forcing you to slow down. Yeah. And if you're lucky, they'll listen, you know? Right. Autoimmune diagnoses are also on mm -hmm. the system is really taking hard for kids. Yeah. A little frightening to watch it all. It feels like our collective level of stress is so high <laughs> over the last few years, just with like the political situation in our country and that we're all kind of feeling that from each other. So that obviously can't be good for autoimmune disorders, our immune systems. Mm -mm. And just this, like we've been saying, this, this general need to just push, 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 and go harder, faster, stronger at all times. Uh, if you're not surviving, there's something wrong with you. If you're not busy yeah. the day, something's wrong with you. Yeah, our, our entire worth is really based on, you know, this idea of success that's time. Mm -hmm. We want to see you working hard, and if you're not working hard, then what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I really grew up with that message. Like as the descendant of farmers mm -hmm. and, you know, like work ethic was yep. always such an important thing in my family. And no one ever said mm -hmm. like, if you don't work hard, you're worthless. But like, that was kind of the conclusion, like to prove your worth, you had to keep working really, really hard. Yeah. One of the first things my dad taught me when I started to work, just like at your typical teenage job, like in fast food it's both a great message and also potentially detrimental that he told me if you have time to sit you have time to sweep meaning if you have if you have nothing else to do you can find something to do yeah. and and you know whenever he told me that it, it really opened my eyes and I felt like that was um really helps especially whenever you're working on someone else's dime like many people do um, cause yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to take advantage of your employer or anything. If, if, if they're expecting you to work, you need to work. But I think that sometimes that has gotten me in trouble for my own business when I'm like, oh, I have, you know, some downtime. Let me fill it with some work because there's, there's time to work. Yeah. And there's always something else to do. There is. Always something always. to do. <laughs> Yeah, and it is it is sad to see that he's such a strong friend, you know, it's not healthy. Mm -hmm. It's just not healthy. Yeah. Yeah, um, my boyfriend and I were just talking about this yesterday, in fact, because I've been working a lot of late nights because I'm just not getting the things done that I feel like I need to get done and the amount of time that I wanted to get them done. And he's like, I think we... You know, I'm not too worried about it right now, but I think we need to kind of reevaluate this soon because you're doing this a lot, you're working a lot, and is it is it because you're not managing your time, or is it because you know that there's other things and you just can't shut it off, or or what what's going on? So, so yeah, I mean, this whole idea is really prevalent in my life currently, for sure. It's such a slippery yeah. slope too that you just get used to. Okay, I'm just sitting with my laptop on my lap and watching TV all evening every night. And you feel weird if you mm -hmm. don't. So you just do reflexively even. And once I get into mm -hmm. that habit, it's really hard for me to get out of it. Some of that could have to do the fact that we are yeah. starting a podcast though. <laughs> and it's a lot of work to uh, get this thing going. Just, yeah. <laughs> that could be part of your problem. Yeah. Right now. Well, I think that's a good point. Right. But that is a good point, though. I feel like, um, you know, things on your plate, your, your um, the amount of work you have probably goes in phases, you know, in cycles. And I feel like that's not uh, terrible. But you also like, I don't know, I could easily get into the habit of like working late nights just for one project and then the project is done but yet i'm still working late nights working on other stuff that's when it becomes a problem mm -hmm. the inability to switch off mm -hmm. yeah so sarah you were saying earlier um you had to release that client to somebody else because you knew you were at capacity can you tell us a little bit more about how you figure out like what your capacity is and you know, is it like an hour parameter? Is it always changing? Like, how do you determine that for yourself? 
Yeah, oh, that's a great question. Well, the only way that I've been able to figure it out is trial and error. <laughs> Same here. I'm sure that there are people who, yeah, right, who are a little bit more in tune, um, or at least have definitely growing my capacity, but people who have historically a bit more capacity for, you know, sensing what their bodies are telling them, being able to tell when they're approaching the edge without going over. That's probably a skill some people have. I don't think I know many of those people, but I have faith that it exists <laughs> in one somewhere. <laughs> um, for me, it's really been like, keep walking until I find the edge, fall off the edge, and then back off a little bit. Um, you know, which I struggle with a little bit because that doesn't sound great to me out loud in English words, but that's just been my experience. So what that looks like for me typically is no more than three to four hours of hands-on during a day. And then I typically schedule for every hour of hands-on, I schedule myself two hours. So for intake, sitting with people beforehand, going through the actual therapy portion with hands-on, and then allowing some time afterwards to kind of debrief, come back into reality, help integrate anything that came up, if it was big, talk about self-care, talk about what they're struggling with, you know, maybe walk them through some embodiment exercise or, you know, just something to play with throughout their day just to see if they can help shift their awareness. I feel like that can be really hard to quantify. But I like that you do have a way to quantify it because I think when you don't quantify it, it's like what we were talking about with working all evening. It can be easy to be like, oh yeah, I feel okay. I'll just take one more because that sounds good. And then, you know, that might be fine for a little bit, but that might catch up with you. So that's cool that you have mm -hmm. kind of, it sounds like you've allowed for more than you think you will need just to make sure that you have enough buffer to preserve your energy. Yeah. Yes. And I have, I do kind of walk around with a mindset that less is more. And that's not just an approach that I use with people during their process. It's also an approach I use in taking care of myself. There's no need for me to work that much. Can I pay my bills? Can I have a little bit stashed away for things like plumbing problems in our house? You know, can I maybe go on vacation every now and again? Okay. You know, money is not a driving factor for me, and I think that that's helpful, but there's no reason to really push part of me. I feel like I have the capacity to do really good work and be in presence. That sounds like you're, you found what works for you, which is so hard to do, and I think that's amazing. Can you tell us a little bit more about things that you do for self-care? Hmm. Well, my whole life is kind of self-care <laughs> when I'm not at work. Um, so I guess maybe I'll just walk you through my typical day. Yeah. I'll get up in the morning and the first thing I do when I roll out of bed after I just take a little bio break and go back and drink some water is to sit in meditation. We do that for about, well, it depends. If I have enough time, I do some body work on myself and then I sit in meditation and that takes about an hour. I just have time to sit. About so whatever happens, I try really hard to just make that a commitment every morning just get up sit with how I'm feeling however that is on any given day without bullying myself pressuring myself like just really present and if I can do that that really that makes all the difference in the world uh, and I'll just make myself breakfast and I typically after that have a couple hours before I need to start seeing clients so lately I've been connect with a friend for a couple of hours and maybe brunch or I'll sit down and I'll play guitar and sing. Um, I'll do some yoga maybe I'm feeling brave. It's nice outside which it is not exactly nice here in Minnesota. <laughs> I'll go for a walk um, or hang out um, with the dog. Really really super easy mornings. Then I work for a couple of hours to maybe four clients in an afternoon, making sure to like nourish my body the whole time, right? Like stay on top of my water and get enough to eat. And then in the evening, my evenings are very quiet. Most of the time I just come home and I can have dinner with my husband, I do that. 
occasionally we even get to spend time with each other, which is Wednesday <laughs> um, nights, I try to make a conscious movement group. So I get a little bit of community support that way and also allow my body to do any sort of unwinding and exercise that it needs to do once a week. I practice as much present awareness as possible. I'm constantly scanning my body, seeing if I'm holding something, seeing how it feels, seeing if I need to eat, if I need to go to the bathroom, if I need to drink more water, if I need to lay down for five minutes, if I need to throw in earplugs if I'm something somewhere that happens to be a little bit loud. That all sounds amazing. Yeah, I'm pretty ridiculously tender with myself right now, which is super fabulous. And it's exactly what my body what my nervous system. I personally find it very inspirational. Um, because I'm hearing <laughs> people's question in my mind, like, how do you have time for all that? But I noticed something that was absent from your daily activities and I know this because we've kind of talked about it too but you have very little desire or even tolerance for like going on the internet and scrolling and all that stuff yep. so, you nailed it that makes a lot of time it does and that time even if you're only on it for a short amount of time typically people go back to it in a half dozen to a dozen times I'm really grateful that Apple has started tracking screen time on your phone and it gives you an update every week, which is fucking perfect. Like, <laughs> it's not, you know, you can turn it off. It doesn't have to be aggressive in your face, but just to realize how many times an hour you pick up your phone. I mean, that's oh. huge. I mean, that is mm. so, so huge. So yeah, I try to avoid being on my phone or in front of the television or on my computer at all. I mean, it's it's a good way, it's a solid way, and for some people it's the only way, right, to reach the community that is supportive to them, um, especially like, I have a dear friend of mine who's going through some really heavy shit right now, and she doesn't have the physical energy to reach out to people in real time, and she can't. She just doesn't have it in herself to spend physical time with her community. So she just reaches out via her social media, which, you know, that it satisfies that need for her. She gets to be seen, heard, witnessed, and sent love. And that, you know, is nourishing her in this time. And for that, I'm so grateful that the internet is a thing. Um, I just wish that when I went on it, I was doing things that weren't like watching videos kittens doing stupid things or getting caught in the scrolling mindset right because everything that we have access to right now is really set up to be highly addictive and stimulate those centers in the brain so you really i mean it is a socially acceptable form of addiction so definitely i really, I really yeah i've very intentionally actually now that i'm saying this out loud i have very intentionally taken a step away from technology when I took a very intentional step away from alcohol. So it's hmm. making that connection now, but that's pretty rad. Yeah. Clearing out the mind. Yeah. And it does. So I'm curious. So much space for other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm curious that, uh, I know you've been doing the craniosacral therapy for a shorter amount of time than massage as a whole, but have you noticed a difference in the nervous systems of your clients? Like as we've had phones that we can use as a, a tool other than a phone. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. It is much, much easier for people to get caught in that fight or flight, especially with the political situation and the global phone that is being shoved in our faces. It's too easy to get on to even just Facebook, you know, and not have that stuff just crammed down your gullet. I mean, it's such, there's such a feeding of the, of the communal going on right now and I, I have a hard time believing it's in, in, like unintentional right like I part of me there is a big part of me that's like oh like this is a thing that is happening to us on purpose people are realizing how easy we are to control because we're so amped up right now, right and if we are in fear all of the time we're not going to be paying attention we're not going to be working on the things that we need to work on we're not going to be coming together we are immediately going to distrust and push away. And that's just going to keep all of this craziness happening around us. 
I'm not really sure where I was going with that train of thought, but but (laughs) there it is. Yeah. Well, actually, that's a perfect time for me to ask you about your spiritual practices, which are kind of the antidote to all the things you just listed. And I know you kind of went through some of these in um, your description of your day, but maybe you could talk a little bit about how they've impacted your life, both just as a human and as a business person. Well, as a business person, especially relating with clients, it's had a big impact. Um, not just because, you know, when you start to unravel a lot of your framework, your belief systems and your paradigms, and you really start questioning, why do I feel this way? Why am I, why am I moving this way? Why am I relating this way? It does kind of bleed out into all of your relationships, which I've, I have found to be simultaneously the most rewarding and the most painful part of my spiritual journey. Um, It's definitely grown my capacity to sit with my clients as they, you know, allow themselves to metabolize. Certainly has allowed me the capacity to sit with myself as I metabolize some really harsh shit. I feel that when I relate to people now, I'm far more interested in their experience as a human, you know, and really how they're doing. I'm interested in exploring that. I'm far less interested, you know, the surface conversations that most of us have with people and never really extended beyond that. How's the weather? How's work? And all of that is, you know, really important to address, but there are some very large questions here. Where are we going as a people? What is your part in all that? Is there something that you know, that each of us can do individually to avoid re-traumatizing the next generation? You know, as somebody who doesn't have kids, I still think about that a lot. It has made some relationships in my life completely uncomfortable. So I've had to release some things, which you know is still something that I'm dealing with, and it's been really interesting to see this reflected in them life it's been extremely surprising like who who has the ability to hold and receive that and who doesn't one of the most amazing things that has come from really making my spiritual practice and my spiritual life priority is that the relationship with my father is starting to grow which i never thought in a million years would be a thing so profoundly grateful for that for him to be able to just meet me where I am, provide a space for me to feel really vulnerable. That is not familiar for me in our relationship. So that's been just such a, yeah. And I've seen a lot of really positive shifts with the relationships. I think it's really, I mean, it's, it's beautiful. Really, I think there's this idea when you, when you work on yourself, you know, you throw a pebble into the pond. And there's no way that we can evolve as a species without doing people work. As far as my practices go, just got back from retreat. I was in Crestone, Colorado for five days in the mountains in the middle of nowhere, sitting mostly in silence with about, with staff, probably 50, 50 other Sangha members uh, doing some really intense uh, body-centered somatic meditation techniques. So that felt amazing, and I feel totally raw and tender in the best possible way <laughs> from that experience. It's so good to see everybody again. I saw them all at the beginning of my program in September, um, and I've met with my small group probably every other week since then, diving into this experience, really just being totally okay with being where they are and working with what they're working on in real time, in community. So it's been such a blessing. That sounds amazing. Oh my God. I would recommend it to anybody in a heartbeat. Thank you, Dharma Ocean. I cannot say how grateful I am to have, you know, stumbled across them through a podcast that I love, Listen to It. Um, super thankful to those ladies for having been through this meditating with the body program and recommending it so highly. I would have attempted it otherwise. And then 
certainly even more grateful to the Hamera Foundation for providing a grant. That is incredible. Yeah, it's all, it all happened in this crazy, beautiful landslide of things. So let's take it. As things often do, right? Yeah, I'm kidding. Other than that, I mean, um, I mentioned I have a conscious movement practice. So I do, I do some yoga, I do some ecstatic dance, I do some authentic movement. It's just kind of, um, you know, whatever, whatever it feels like my body needs, which, you know, some days is way easier to tune into than others. Some days I have no idea and I don't really feel like moving. You know? Sometimes when that energy gets stuck, it gets stuck. And <laughs> all you want to do is lay on the ground. But uh, yeah, keeping moving has been really helpful. I'm learning more now. I'm moving through this journey myself and working with people who are also unfolding their own trauma. But that's very very common for people who experience trauma, whether it's, you know, the big T traumas that most of us accept as actual trauma, the loss, experiencing war, anything that can kind of cause that PTSD. We don't give enough credit to the little T trauma, or the little belief systems that are set in place, all of the messages that we need for culture and our family and our environment. It needs to be moved through. And the only way you can move it through is move it through. <laughs> make space and let it in is to move it's been really and I of course receive body work as much as possible so yeah say I try to get cranial work twice a month and then some other body work some months are better than others yeah exactly I love that you mentioned that it is indeed difficult because anyone hearing this would probably think that, okay, Sarah's really in touch with her intuition and she has all these spiritual practices and she is so awesome at spiritual stuff. She's got it together. You know, like <laughs> we have this idea that like if people are doing this stuff a lot, that they've just got it down and that it's never hard for them. So I love that you mentioned that, yes, it is difficult because everything is a practice and even people who on the outside look to be very committed to something, doesn't mean that they have an easy time with it all the time. No, and and that's really important too, I think, to talk a little bit more about because like, this shit is not easy. Like it's not easy. Maybe some people have it easy. Maybe the Dalai Lama has a great day, but I really don't believe it. Maybe. You know, I I think I think the whole I right the idea of a quote unquote spiritual path is really just coming into direct contact with your experience and that means the delicious and the devastating you know everything is a balance it's not all good some days i can't even think about anything i mean you name it i can't think about it without being a total fucking train wreck and things come up in life and it is i mean it's just as difficult for me to deal with all of this as it used to be i just the difference now is that i coming back to the present moment and allowing it to unfold as it's happening, right? Not turning away and turning towards. And in doing so, it's really interesting because you do gain this really beautiful but painful capacity to just meet everything that shows up. You know, like this is life. It's really great sometimes and I can have like I can go to my ecstatic dance group and have like a really blissful, super tripped out time and it's lovely and happy and super joyful. But that is that is not that is not life hundred percent of the time. More often than not, when I touch in and see how I'm feeling, I am raw and I am tenderhearted and I am sad. I am grieving. It's just it's life. I'm speechless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, there's no else to say. to say in response to that. Yeah. <laughs> We're getting deep and I love it. Yeah. What else can um, we talk about? <laughs> I personally feel like the deep conversations are not the only ones worth having, but I generally feel that way. I'd rather get deep mm -hmm. than stay on the surface. Um, yeah. This yeah. seems like a great what time to check out your chart. Ooh, please. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, have you seen your chart or have you had anybody give you some insights on your chart at all? My awesome friend, Quinn and I, who also is a body worker, does quite a bit of digging astrologically. And we have mm-hmm. talked about it only once. And ever since then, I have been like jonesing for more. Yeah. <laughs> it's so fascinating to me. Yes, so yes. Start from scratch because I don't really remember yeah. a lot of what we discussed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's It can be hard to um take it all in you know especially if you're like trying to look at every single thing all at once and it's like oh there's so much stuff um so we're only gonna touch on just a few things unless we you wanted to get get into more but um you know we'll we'll just start very simply with your sun um as you know you're a capricorn and um now your sun is in your fourth house and wherever the sun is, is where your Capricorn energy shines the brightest. So for anybody else, if you want to like look at your own chart, um, wherever your sun is and whatever house that's in, that's where your essence shines the most. So for you um, as a Capricorn, you know, you're, you're quite practical, you know, you um, definitely have self-discipline and you know, you can't appreciate authority when authority is worth having, you know, you would rather be your own authority. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll clear that one out there, (laughs) but this is especially present within, um, your home life and your private life and how you operate, you know, behind closed doors. Um, you, you would prefer it to be a little bit Now, I wouldn't say necessarily like a tight ship because there's a lot of other stuff in your chart that's saying otherwise, but you know, you want a little bit of regulation there um, and a bit more practicality. Now, in a business sense, the sun gives us kind of this concept of what your business's essence is and what, what a Capricorn sun kind of tells us is that you're really hands-on, like you're really getting, like you're getting your hands in there and working. And and what you're doing for your clients is more of almost like a, um, an accountability kind of kind of way. And, um, you know, teaching people lessons and, and teaching them like major things that they need to, to know. The thing about Capricorn is like, it's, um, it's ruled by Saturn and Saturn is, is the great teacher. Like it's going to teach us the, the hardest lessons that we need to learn in our lifetime. Um, so that's kind of the essence that you take to your business. Um, now your rising sign is another earth sign. It's Virgo. So rising signs are, uh, basically what we meet like the first impression. So, so your sun and your rising are very, um, in line because they're earth, they're very practical. Uh, where Virgo can be a little bit different than Capricorn is that it's more analytical, um, where, you know, that's kind of what, what people are meeting whenever they meet you. They're, they're meeting somebody that like has their shit together and is like, you know, I, I know what I'm going to be doing in two hours and I know what I'm doing right now, what needs to get done. And you know I've got my to-do list. <laughs> um, but in business senses, the rising sign gives us insight into our branding and, and it's earth. Like, you know, um, Virgo being that earth sign, there's a lot of, um, earthy feels to your branding. Um, so it's very in line with that. Um, now your midheaven, that is the career line. Um, so that's most indicative of what we should be doing well I maybe not should but kind of like the energy to play with within our career where we might feel the most natural and yours is in Gemini and let me preface that um, piece about natural the thing about the midheaven is that it's something that comes with time so it actually doesn't feel natural early on but it's something that you kind of work into and develop and so yours is in Gemini which means you are the messenger. You know, you that's what Gemini is. That's its archetype. You're here to share a message. You have something to share with people and they need to hear it. 
Um, you know, and this could be through writing or speaking or, um, you know, just being a voice for people who don't have a voice. Um, so, which is huge, you know. Now, the interesting thing is, is your north node is right on top of your midheaven. And the, and the north node is basically our destiny in this lifetime. So, lucky you, or maybe some people might not say it's lucky. I guess it just depends on who you are. But in my opinion, lucky you, your destiny is in line with your career and what you should be doing to make money. <laughs> so, that's... <laughs> Yeah, so that's really, really helpful. You know, other people don't necessarily have that where, you know, their career is something that they should be doing in, in one regard, but the the destiny is like, there's no money tied to that, but it's something that they inherently need to do. For you, it's the same, so it's great. Um, <laughs> so it's really helpful. Um, so the thing about having the North Node in Gemini in your career house is that that means that your south node so every north node has a south node and it's directly opposite so that means your south node is in Sagittarius in your fourth house of home which as a reminder that's where your sun is is also in the fourth house of home so the south node is what we're already good at so Having that in the fourth house within the Sagittarius sign tells us that you're pretty you're pretty good at you know holding down the fort you know being almost almost hermit like that could be an extreme expression of that um, you know just being more homely and more uh, focused on family and and the thing about Sagittarius is very explorative where you could almost be like consumed with wanderlust and really digging into philosophies and theories and and almost being a little too self-righteous that's also a more extreme expression of that where your north node is asking you to kind of do the opposite it's asking you to step out into the public sphere and to to be more present and more mindful which is really amazing that most of the conversation that we've had is that that is something that you are actively working on from day to day that you're working on being more mindful being more um in the moment um it's also being a little bit more um as an activist as well like i said before having a voice for the people that don't have a voice so yeah so those are just a few tidbits i mean there's so much more there's there's your chart is very interesting it is very fun to read but yeah what are your thoughts so far uh well all that sounds spot on which is you know always delightful right receiving some of this yeah um the thing i found most interesting is this idea of stepping more into the public eye, being a voice for those who don't, mm -hmm. kind of leading forth from there. I have been sensing in a very non-descriptive, out there in the ether, that mm -hmm. there's gonna be a shift for me that's coming, and I think it's probably gonna happen this year. Mm -hmm. I have no idea what it's gonna look like. Yeah. But I do feel that there, there are a couple of things that have been kind of coming up that are maybe it's just you know, a marriage of all of these things together that is going to bring me more into a teaching role for a wider audience. Yes. Which, I mean, is great, right? Like I'm starting to assist classes for the Upledger Institute, which is why I received mm -hmm. my grant training through and I'm really excited about that. I'm in conversation with a number of other cranial therapists about doing you know, multi-hands workshops, you know, starting off just for other practitioners, but um, but then maybe moving into something a little bit more for myself. Mm -hmm. Of course, there is this piece too. Like, I want to say the term spiritual activism. It's really making sure that people are represented. Mm -hmm have tools that they that, that can be helpful for them in order for them to move forward, right like as this collective of evolution unfolds just 
trying to suss out where I am in the big picture in relationship with my clientele and with my family and in mm-hmm. my network. Yeah. There's something, there's something coming. Yeah. Well, a little bit of insight that I might have on that of your place. If we look at your career line and it is in Gemini, the thing about Gemini is it is a mutable sign. And what mutable signs are, are basically connectors, where they're the ones that make adjustments, basically. So, so we have three, um, three qualities, and the first would be cardinal. Those are like the leaders, the starters, but they're not very good at finishing. Then you have the fixed signs, and they're the ones that are, um, you know, holding down the fort, don't like a lot of change. Um, but the mutable signs, they're kind of the glue that holds it all together. And that's what your career line is in, is in Gemini, in a mutable sign. So I would speculate that maybe your role in this could be filling in the gaps, could be making the connections that need to be made, especially that it's an air sign, because an air signs are, are very intellectual. They're very um, focused on connection especially through um, communication. So I would maybe maybe sit with that a little bit and see how that feels and, and kind of see what maybe that might look like, yeah. you know, being that connector and weaving those, those things together for others. Yeah. I already have some things that are coming up for me. Right now I'm stuck in this interesting space where I'm struggling between looking at returning to school for more credentials in a traditional academic sense mm-hmm. or just moving forward as I am gaining the knowledge that I want to gain mm-hmm. and then using that to be more impactful and I've had a number of conversations with some incredible women um, you know in the same bag field um, and one of them was She's a bit older and she was very, you know, sounds great. You're doing great along your career, career path. But what you really need is some credibility. You need to go back to school. You need mm-hmm. to look at a master's. And I've sat with that for a number of months. I'm still not sure how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. There's definitely some core wounding in me that's like, fuck that. I have done so many other things for other people. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm over it. I mean, but it is. I mean, it's a good idea in the sense that it does allow a wider range of people to find what I have to say more mm-hmm. on the other side of that conversation with a Sangha member who is a somatic psychologist a little bit newer in the field and she said you know you were thinking about attending Nairobi University that's where I went they don't address trauma at all in their program not even the most simple books that have been written in the last 25 years. I don't think that this is a path that's going to give you the knowledge. The only thing it's going to do is give you these letters you can throw after your name to make you, again, just more palatable for a wider. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely something that I'm digesting right now. Mm -hmm. Really interesting to see what it's picking up. Yeah, yeah. And I have a thought on that. Of course. Perfect. Um, we didn't talk about your moon. Um, your moon is Sagittarius. Okay. And it is directly opposite of your career line and your north node. Um, so the moon gives us insights into what makes us feel safe and comfortable and firm in our foundations. Mm-hmm. And Sagittarius is the philosopher, Sagittarius wants knowledge and wants to, Sagittarius is a lifelong learner. And, and ultimately, one of the things that make you feel really good is getting those name those letters behind your name. So I mean, that can really go one of two ways on the one hand. And that's, that's the thing about having this opposition is that it really can go one of two ways. And either way, probably going to be fine. Um, where it, it can make you feel more comfortable getting that degree, that, that extra, those extra studies. It, it could make you feel more comfortable, more grounded. 
just for you yourself. Fuck whatever somebody is telling you to do. Don't do it for them. If it's going to make you feel better about yourself and where you are in your career, then do it. That's super in line with where your your moon is and, and what ultimately makes you feel comfortable. Um, but on the other hand, you don't have to. You have, you know, you have um, the ability to acquire the knowledge that you need to acquire without going in the tra traditional route. I'm not sure that I really gave you a, a one direction or the other, but more of just like a validation of your feelings that the way that you do feel is in line with what's going on. And, and ultimately, if you, if you want to feel more comfortable about it and just safer, then maybe just do the, do the degree, but let go of the fact of like it being for other people. No, if you, if you're going to do it, you do it for you and for your comfort, not because somebody is telling you. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> that was fun for me to hear a lot of this stuff too because I was like yeah that's Sarah <laughs> about like the home stuff you guys don't know this because you can't see Sarah's house but she has one of the coolest aptitudes for making a space feel home and very personal like I've probably been to I don't know four or five of your different homes over the time that we've known each other and each one has taken on such a cool character like you make home your own more fiercely than anyone I know which is so cool and I was like yeah <laughs> when you talked about home <laughs> you know and it's funny I think part of that is such an animalistic instinct for me you know because what makes us feel safe right and I I did spend the majority of my time not feeling safe in my home and it didn't occur to me until maybe shortly after I met and moved in with my now husband but I had spent the entirety of my life really not feeling safe I just let my guard down you know so mm -hmm. I think it is it's important to just like create that space around yourself I mean because that's ultimately what we're trying to do mm -hmm. well astrologically speaking <laughs> you have you have a fourth house stellium um, and the fourth house is of home and our private life. And a stellium means three or more planets in one area. You have five. <laughs> you have five planets in your house of home. So to say that your home life is a focus for you is an understatement. <laughs> a lot of energy is pulling you there. I, feel like I could talk forever, so. <laughs> yeah. I have the rest of the afternoon so <laughs> well maybe for the sake of the listeners <laughs> yes yeah maybe maybe you and I should just connect afterwards <laughs> that would be wonderful so Sarah is there anything else that you want to mention that we didn't talk about today no I don't I don't think so I would just like to extend a friendly reminder to both of you and to anybody listening though that you know we are we were nothing to be fixed. There's nothing wrong with any of us, you know, but you can just keep coming back to your experience every moment. It will lead you to some very beautiful places, some very painful places as well, but some very beautiful places. I felt that physically in my gut when you just said that, like a calming mm -hmm. of, I don't know, like the bottom of my stomach. It was just like, yeah. Thank you for that yeah. friendly reminder. Mm -hmm. So welcome. Yeah. It's a good thing to come back to, right? Like even if shit is going down, like it's okay. I love that. Thank you. Thank you so much. So Thank last you. question. What are you excited about right now? Ooh. Well, right now I'm excited about lunch. <laughs> Before we got on the call, I'm a little hungry. That's a great answer. Um but I'm really excited. So I just finished up this five-month meditation course. Where I was doing some really intense daily practice and just came home from this beautiful retreat. And I'm really looking forward to continuing to integrate all of this really sweet tenderness that unfolded for me and space that unfolded for me. I'm 
I'm really, I'm happy that it's here and I cannot wait to start imparting that resonance to my clients and to my friends. Continue to hold space for better and better and deeper and deeper work. I feel like we got that today in this conversation and hopefully mm -hmm. everyone listening got that today too. So thanks for that energy. Oh my gosh, you're so welcome. Thank you. I mean, we're all mirrors for each other. So I, I couldn't do this without you guys. What a great conversation. Thanks so much, Sarah. Thank you guys. It was such a pleasure. It was a pleasure having you on. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe on the podcast app of your choice, leave a rating and review on iTunes, or share with a friend. Or if you really love it, you can support the making of this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon for exclusive content. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Being a Whole Person. We'd love to connect with you. Thanks for listening.